Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. Have a seat. Okay. I'm going to sit down with y'all because I'm just going to set my Netflix up here, catch up on a couple shows. Um, kidding. It's great to be back here in St. Augustine, Florida. Um, I love your church. Um, if you've never heard me before, I've been here before. <laughs> and um, I just love um, Matt and Jill. I love that they're not here today. <laughs> I, I honestly do. He, I, I texted Matt yesterday and I'm like, am I going to see you or what? He's like, I'm on vacation. I'm like, dude, I'm proud of you. You know how hard it is for pastors to, like, not come to church? Yeah. So it's like, dude, do your thing. Go fishing. I don't know what it is you do, but just, I know he fishes. And I know he golfs. So hopefully he gets both of those in and, and um, you know, hang out with the family and all that. So that's just great. Um, okay. Well, let's get into this thing. Um, if you're taking notes, um, the title of this talk is Sharks with Laser Beams. Okay, so it's very spiritual stuff. I prayed, fasted for that title, and it came down in a vision from heaven, obviously. Uh, we're going to read in Numbers 13, 16, all the way to Numbers 14, 9. Um, so we're going to start going, and then we got the, I believe we have the verse behind us. There it is. It's brilliant. And I'm going to read in this monitor. You probably don't even know it, but it's, there's a monitor that I can see right there. It's called the confidence monitor. And it gives me great confidence. So you, you read behind me. I'm going to read here, and we're going we're gonna to go. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. So um, actually, not ready. Wait. Anybody ever seen the movie Prince of Egypt, the cartoon? Or maybe Ten Commandments for the older crowd, Charlton Heston? Okay, so that's just happened. Okay, so God just led the, the children of Israel, people of Israel, out of Egypt, destroyed Egypt. And now he is ready to take them into this promised land, okay? And the promised land is good. And so they're getting ready, and, and Moses has this idea to, to, to pick 12 spies, one from each tribe of Israel, and to send them for 40 days on a camping trip to find out what's going on in the promised land, to see what God has given them, okay? So that, this has just happened. And so these were the names of the men, so they just listed out the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hosea the son of Nun, Joshua. Little name change there for one of the guys. I'll keep reading here. Um, next verse. There it is. What the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak and whether they are few or many and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land, 
from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Lebo Hamath. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron, Ahimon, Sheshai, and Talmai. Uh, Hebron, by the way, is where God spoke to Abraham and said, your, your descendants are going to come back. This is going to be your land, which is pretty cool. So they would have saw, wow, God, this is part of God's promise. Well, some of them would have, would have recognized that. The descendants of Anak were there. That's giants. Okay, that's not good. Strike one. Uh, Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt, and they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them. That's a big, that's a big cluster of grapes. I don't know if you've ever been to the grocery store <laughs> and saw a cluster of grapes, but generally, you don't need two people, <laughs> right? Um, so the, the point here is that what God is going to give them as a congregation is better than you could ever imagine, right? Whatever God has got coming is ridiculous. You couldn't even imagine it. That's the point. So they got that single cluster and they're carrying it. And they also brought some pomegranates and figs because Moses was having some bowel movement issues. <laughs> Um, that place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. Eshkol literally means cluster in Hebrew. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land, and they told them, uh, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. That's ancient Near Eastern hyperbole for fully loaded. This land is fully loaded. It flows with milk and honey. Of course, it doesn't literally flow with milk and honey, but it's hyperbole. You get it. And this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, the giants, the Amalekites dwell on the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell on the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb, for me, is like that one guy that's like, let's just do it, man, let's do it. You know what I mean? It's like, well, let's think about it, you know? Um, Let's keep moving. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that, now, now watch this. This is crazy. Do you remember the first report they gave? The first report's like, uh, you know, there's, there's fortifications, big cities, there's some giants, and there's a lot of different people groups, the Hittites, all the mosquito bites that they, they listed out there, right? This, this second report starts to get ridiculous, right? Because they're trying to convince the people not to go because these guys are clearly scared. And so now they're saying the land devours its inhabitants. Never heard of that before, right? That's just ridiculous. Land doesn't devour its inhabitants, and all the, now all the people that they saw in it are of great height. Now everybody's a giant. Are you noticing this? Right? It went from like, okay, that's a reasonable report to now this is just ridiculous. You're talking trash, bro. 
right? You're chirping just to try to get us not to go. And there we saw the Nephilim. Oh, now it's the Nephilim. Genesis chapter 6, I don't know if you've read it recently. It's a pretty fantastic little piece of Bible where the angels, the sons of God, these angels see these pretty women walking down the street, pretty women, kind they like to meet, pretty women. And they marry these women and they produce this other race, half angel, half human. They're called the Nephilim, okay? And they're like half man, half bear, half pig. Man, bear, pig, right? And so the point is, is like, there's monsters. So there's, they're not just giants, they're monsters. They're the Nephilim, right? Uh, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Now, of course, what's the, 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 the reaction of the congregation? They all start crying. Like, immediately. They raise a loud cry. They put on their country music, sob themselves to sleep that night. And the people wept that night. Yes, some people say, I got a drinking problem. They just listen to their favorite song there. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses. And Aaron, the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. I mean, it's, they're, they're, now they're, they're beside themselves with panic. They're saying weird stuff. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? No, no, it wouldn't. You want to know why? Because there's nothing left of Egypt. Egypt is a smoldering ruin. God destroyed it, right? The, the, the Nile turned to blood. All the crops were destroyed uh, by, by locusts. Their pets' heads are falling off, right? There's, no, there's nothing to go back to. And plus, any Egyptians that are still alive are going to hate you. You took all their stuff. You plundered them when you left. No, it's, it's ridiculous. Do you see? They're, they're beside themselves with fear and panic, and they're saying weird stuff. And then they start going, you know, let's choose a leader, and let's go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly, the assembly of the congregation. And typically they do this when fire is about to come out before the Lord and scorch everybody, right? Now, Josh, uh, they hit the deck, and then Joshua and Caleb see them hit the deck, and they tear their clothes, Right? Keep reading. Those who had spied out uh, Joshua and Caleb, they tore their clothes and said, no, when, when people tear their clothes in the ancient Near East, it's because it's a funeral. So they realize something bad's going to happen because this congregation is beside themselves with fear. Um, and so they said to them, they're trying to quiet this congregation and put some, some faith back into them. It says, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. And if the Lord delights in us, and he does, he will bring us into this land and he will give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. It's fully loaded. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Okay, Revelation 21.8. Revelation 21.8. It's a fascinating little passage. You read through the book of Revelation and you got all kinds of anxiety because 
same thing. It's like people are dying and there's all of these horrible things going on on the earth and there's this battle and there's, you know, dragon and there's a beast and it's crazy. And you finally get to the end of the book and you're just like, Jesus, can you just please come back and sort everything out? And Jesus does, right? So you're reading Revelation 21 and Jesus is, he's back and he's in charge and he's dealing with all the bad guys. And so he's, and he's dunking people in the lake of fire here. And so you're finally, oh, thank you, finally. The faithless dunk, the deplorable dunk, you know. <laughs> the murderers double dunk. Sexually immoral dunk. Harry Potter triple dunk. <laughs> Idolaters dunk. Liars dunk. Everybody, they're dunking them. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, the problem when you're reading Revelation 21, if we can just go back to the top of the verse there, the problem is that the first Thing that they mention is cowardly. And the problem with that is that's me. Right? Have you ever been reading in the Bible and it's like, it says something and you're like, no, Bible. No, you calm down. Chill, Bible, chill. Right? That's my name. Yeah. I, I'm, um, I'm not like my brother Gabriel. He's 18 months younger than me. Uh, I'm, I am, by nature, I'm a scaredy cat. I'm a fraidy cat. I'm, I got high anxiety. I got a vivid imagination. I'm like my mom. We call my mom Debbie Downer. <laughs> she knows every detail of how you could die at any given moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at Christmas dinner, she's like, well, 31% of people choke on turkey, so eat slowly. <laughs> it's like, thanks, Jan. That's, that was great. Thank you for that. <clears throat> You know, so like I, know, I have all the data from this mom who knows how you could die, and she always tells you the data, you know? Um, it's crazy. She used to write scripture verses in my car when I was a teenager about driving slow. You know what I mean? In your patience, you possess your soul. I'm like, that's not giving me faith. It's making me scared, you know? Um, my dad's not like that, and my brother's a little bit more like my dad. But my brother's a bit more like Caleb. My, bro my brother's just like, let's do it. My brother's like Braveheart, dude. He's, his face is always half-painted. He's ready for battle. He's a giant provoker. That's my brother Gabriel. He's just crazy. I, I, I have the earliest memories of my brother doing crazy stuff is jumping off of rocks and bridges when we'd go swimming in Canada. Um, I'm a Canadian. And, and so that's what Gabe would do. And, and my dad would just be like, yeah, yeah, boy. You know, and then he'd look at me like, loser. <laughs> He's going to sit there and be a coward, you know, sissy. <laughs> okay, father, you know, like, and I'd, I'd jump off begrudgingly, crying all the way down. <laughs> Gabe was always the first person to do something crazy. I remember in Bible college in Portland, Oregon, um, we both went to the same school, and um, him, him jumping off of an 80-foot bridge into, into a body of water. And, and, and there was a sign that said, you know, if, if do not jump off this bridge, you know, you'll be arrested. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and the local kids were like, yeah, like if, 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 the, if the police catch you doing this, then they send you to suicide school because you clearly don't love your life. You know, but the local kids were doing it. And so I'm like, Gabe, don't do this. These kids know these waters. They grew up doing this. Don't do this. And he's like, I'm doing it. And he's jumped off. Um, you know, like, and I'm just like cringing. Gabe would be the one on, like, you know, I'd get on a swing set and I'd just do the regular swinging. You know, Gabe would be the one that's like going all the way to the top and then jump off. And it's like, no, no. Um, 
I remember we had a, a, an annual youth trip to like a Six Flags. And I just remember the turmoil inside all the way to the Six Flags while the boys were talking about and Gabriel's like, I'm going to go on this stand-up roller coaster and the fire of death hell dragon ride. You know, it's like, and I'm like, mm-hmm. and I, was, I had to like think of ways to get out, you know, of it. So, you know, I'd, we'd get to the park and I'd be like, oh, I just ate breakfast, you know, like four hours ago and somebody needs to watch the girls you know, guard their honor, and they don't want to go, and so I'll just do, I'll volunteer, because I really want to go on that, but, you know. I am, by nature, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. And I don't like, um, you know, the promised land and things that are hard and, you know, following God into, into, into difficult circumstances and sketchy circumstances. I'm, I'm risk-averse, like my mom. And, uh, you know, if, the, if, if I had spied out the promised land and found out that it was guarded by four or five-year-olds with pool noodles, you know, I'd be like, give me that sword. I will take it, God, right? But I, I, I'm, not, I'm afraid of, of giants. And I sort of um, can identify with the spies and their reaction. Um, anxiety, a little bit of anxiety is actually good for you. Like, people who don't have anxiety, there's something wrong with them. That's like my brother. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, for example, um, let's say, you know, millions of years ago, my brother and I are in a cave. Okay, we're naked. I'm, ma- I'm doing some paintings, right? And so we're like, hey, let's, and that means let's go out of the cave. And so we go out, but we both leave our spears. And so then a saber-toothed tiger comes around. Right, and I'm like ooh, 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 to my brother. Like translation, go back to the cave. But my brother's like, ah, ooh, 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 and he wants to ride the saber-toothed tiger. I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. and so I run back. He tries to ride the saber-toothed tiger, and he gets eaten. Right, my anxiety saved me. You hearing me? Right, like it's this evolutionary response to fear that's meant to save your bacon. It's it's like that low fuel light that comes on when you're barreling down the highway and it's telling you you don't have enough gas. You're hearing me, right? That's what emotions do. You ever feel overwhelmed and you start to have anxiety about something? It's typically just, it's your body saying you don't have it in you. So just go take a nap, try this tomorrow. You're hearing me? So a little bit, a little bit of anxiety is good. And so I identify with these spies who are going, dude, we just saw... You know, at least the first report, it's like there's a lot of people there. There's, they have huge cities. There's giants there, right? There, and, they, and they've peed in their pants a little bit, right? I identify with that. Now, the issue isn't their little bit of anxiety that's gonna, that you know, would, would save them. The issue is that the promised land wasn't their idea. The promised land was God's idea. And they have mistakenly thought that it's on them. Maybe they thought that Egypt and everything that happened, the collapse of Egypt, was because of them. Maybe because of their own self-righteousness. Right? Well, yeah, you know, like I was just being such a good Christian and that's why God saved me. I was like a good person and that's why God saved me. 
And so I need, in a, you know, and, and I, if there's things that are coming up that are like a, a, a stretch or whatever, as long as I'm good, then they'll come through. And that's obviously, as you read the Bible, you'll realize that you're actually not a good person. That's kind of the point of scripture, to reveal that you're worse than you think you are. Right? I mean, fruitfulness in your life is generally just the mercy of God. It has nothing to do with how nice you are. Like we're a hot mess. Right? You're worse than you can imagine, but you're more loved than you could ever imagine too. That's the great paradox of scripture. The great paradox of the gospel is that you're a, you have more issues than Rolling Stone magazine, but you've got a, a God who loves you. Right? It's pretty cool. Well, these guys, whether it's a self-righteousness moment, bottom line is they don't, under, they, don't, they don't understand the assignment here. And the assignment is just to believe God. This is how faith works. Faith works like this. God speaks, and then you respond. Faith doesn't start with you. It starts with God. Right? Uh, Romans chapter 10 says that faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of Christ. I'll give you a really practical example, okay? Um, is Bobby here in this service? Where's Bobby at? He's security. There he is, okay. If you didn't know this or not, but Bobby, he imports these amazing cars, okay? If you ever seen him driving a Defender, he probably got it from Italy, okay? And so... Bobby has these sick defenders, okay? And I want the sickest defender ever, okay? I want just all the bells and whistles flowing with milk and honey, right? Fully loaded. And um, let's say, and I want, I'm like, Bobby, I want spinning wheels on it, and I want zero roof. I just tear the roof off, right? And we're just, gonna, I want the sickest defender ever. <clears throat> and he's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'll keep my eyes peeled. You're asking for the world, but I'll keep my eyes peeled. And I start to pray, and I'm like, God, I need the defender. That's not a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of hope, right? Because God didn't tell me that I can have the defender. Faith comes by hearing. It doesn't start with you. It starts with God. So you can have faith for the things that God has told you. You hearing me? This is why we read scripture. Yeah. There's a lot of Christians that are confused about how faith works, right? So I'm just, we're just believing in faith. Well, you, make, you gotta make sure that there's faith in that prayer. How do you make sure there's faith in that prayer? That you've heard God about it, right? Hebrews chapter 11, it's the hall of faith. Everybody in that chapter got a word from God. Abraham is the father of faith. Why? Because God showed up to him. In, in, in Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel's being built. Man's trying to get up to God, and God's like, no, rejects them. And then he goes and finds, God comes down, and he reveals himself to this old man, 75 years old, basically retired, almost dead. <laughs> Got nothing going on. And God shows up, and he's like, hey, Abraham, I'm God. You want to be friends? He's like, sure. I got nothing going on. <laughs> that's That's faith. Faith, God was looking for one dude who would just be like, God, I'll believe you. And Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, right? So faith isn't building your way up to God and making God work for you. Faith is when God comes down to you and you just believe him and you get with his plans and his purposes. That's how faith works. Noah, right? Like Noah didn't have an idea and then he was just trying to manifest his idea 
and just, you know, use spirituality to get what he wanted. Moa had no, Noah, Moa. <laughs> Noah had no concept of a boat. Right? God had to literally tell him the measurements. Right? And then he's building it for like 100 years. And people are like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, it's ridiculous. He's like, yes, I know it's ridiculous. But apparently this, this thing's going to come in handy at some point. Right? Imagine being Noah and just, you know, 10 years in, you're an idiot. Yep, probably. <laughs> 20 years in, you know, what are you doing? Obeying God. I don't know. Stop. You know, 50 years, 80 years, right? <laughs> then one day it rains. Faith has less to do with you and more to do with God. So that's why we read scripture. We read scripture to find out, God, what is your word towards us? And then, I, and then you can have faith for what, because the other thing too is not every promise in the Bible is for you, right? So you gotta find out which ones are for you, right? Which is kind of part of, part of that fun journey, right? Like maybe God's not called you to walk on water. I tried walking on water. It seems like that was a promise for Peter, not for Nathan Finocchio. <laughs> I've tried walking on water like ever since I was a kid. I remember eight years old, you know, if you just have faith, the side of a mustard seed, you know? So I'm like, okay, you know? And every summer I'd try it. You wouldn't believe this. I'd get soaking wet. <laughs> okay? There was no faith in it. That was somebody else's word. Can't copy. And I was just trying to copy the faith act of somebody else, and you just end up soaking wet. And then Christians get really upset. And it was like, God, where are you? He's like, well, I'm speaking to you about this. I got a word for you. Yeah. Are you hearing me? But there's words even for us as Christians, just the general purposes of God. And we need to find out what those things are and then walk in them and be bold in them. That's living a life of faith. And what we have here is we have anxiety that's needless because God's going to do it. God's going to give it to them. They just need to believe God. You hearing me? Numbers 14.9. Numbers 14.9. The Von Trapp family singers. The Von Trapp family singers. Let's look at the top here. Numbers 14.9. Um, There it is. Do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land. See, uh, the, 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 the cowardice that the book of Revelation is talking about isn't, it isn't that people who are afraid of roller coasters are going to be dunked into the lake of fire, thankfully. The cowardice in the book of Revelation is about people who rebel against the word of God. One of the major themes of the book of Revelation is faithful witness. Will you be a faithful witness to Jesus Christ come hell or high water? Like when it looks like this thing's going down, are you gonna be faithful? Are you gonna worship the beast and, 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 and his system so that you can have temporary favor in his, in his world? Or are you gonna worship the lamb that was slain? And you're going to be faithful to him and faithful to his words. That's the question. 
Am I a faithful witness? And here, Joshua's saying, when you fear the people of the land and you start acting crazy, it's not just cowardice, you're rebelling against God. You're rebelling against God. Look, we got challenges in the church at the moment. I mean, we're, the world is, is, gross darkness is going to cover the earth. It's going to happen, okay? Um, but we have challenges where, all kinds of challenges in society. I mean, we know what the Bible says about murder, but we take less politically hostile positions, you know, about abortion, for example, you know, because we, because we, we don't want to ruffle feathers, but, but we know what Scripture says, you know, um, about marriage, about, about any number of things. And, and, and at times we are, I think that a lot of our young people have, have become cowards. I think because they're, 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 they're terrified of the inhabitants of the land. And so they take up less politically hostile positions. They look for brands of Christianity that cower to the beast and his system that allow them to be the empathetic hero to all their friends, and they're ashamed of the gospel. But the gospel says that we're all sinners. All of us, every single one of us have sin issues, and we all fall short of the glory of God. That's the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of it. It's a major challenge right now. We know that building the kingdom of God, building the church is what we're called to. Jesus says he's building this church. We know this is what we're all called to, individually and corporately. But we worry that God's not gonna provide, that if I, give my, if I seek first the kingdom and its righteousness, then all these things are gonna be missing from my life. And so we, we become a bit cowardly. Now, there's a difference between learning obedience and being a coward, right? I'm learning obedience. I think we're all learning obedience, right? Like none of us are perfect in our giving or perfect in our doctrine or perfect, you know, on whatever it is. None of us are perfect. We're all learning obedience. And that's okay to be learning obedience. But there's a difference between learning obedience and just rejecting Jesus's words, just rejecting scripture. No, that scripture's not for me. I don't like it. Yeah, I just not, no, here's the deal. If you're gonna follow Jesus, it, it's like a buffet and you have to eat everything, <laughs> right? You can't go there and be like, you know what? I don't like that. The sweet and sour pork, it's just not for me, right? If you're following Jesus, you kind of have to eat the whole meal. That's what Jesus was saying when he's like, this is, I want, if you're gonna follow me, you need to drink my blood and eat my body. And they're looking at him like, that's weird. He's like, that's, I'm not literally saying that. It's, it's a metaphor for you gotta, it's the whole meal, bro. You hearing me? Numbers 13, 16. Numbers 13, 16. We see Joshua change, uh, get a name change. And this is right before he's going to go into the promised land as a spy. And Moses uh, called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now, Hosea means I save or he saves. But Yeshua or Joshua means Yahweh saves, the Lord saves. And it's a great time for a name change because just as he's about to see all of these obstacles and these, you know, the, the lions and the tigers and the bears and the Nephilim, oh my, right? 
all of a sudden, everybody on the camping trip is calling him Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. Hey, Yahweh saves. You know, it's your turn to get some firewood. You know, hey, man, Yahweh saves. You, you know, you're cooking the chili and the beans tonight. Right? Hey, Yahweh saves. So Yahweh saves, Yahweh says, Yahweh saves. So when he sees the Nephilim, when he sees the Hittites and the Jebusites and the mosquito bites, when he sees all of these obstacles, he's not, he's, there's this new name in, in him, and the name isn't I save, the name is Yahweh saves, right? And so his prophetic imagination is going to begin to be stirred. Hosea, if he saw the, the Anakim or the Nephilim, he'd pee in his pants a little bit. But, but when Joshua sees the Anakim, he's like, I wonder how God's going to destroy them. Right? Like, is it going to be some sort of angelic camel gang with matching vests? <laughs> right? I will, Hosea sees the, the promised land and, and the obstacles, and, and, and he's like, he's feeling the responsibility and the weight of it. How am I going to possibly do this? But Joshua sees it, and he's like, God is going to fulfill his word. This is his idea. It's his word. And if it's his word, if it's his will, it's his bill. <laughs> Numbers 13.32. Numbers 13.32. They started to get ridiculous describing all of the obstacles, right? And they say, the land devours its inhabitants. That's ridiculous. Land does not devour its inhabitants. That's like saying there's sharks with laser beams on their foreheads and they're gonna laser beam all of us, man. Where are the... Dude, we're in the middle of, we're in the Middle East. There's no sharks here. Yes, there are, dude. There's a tornado coming up from the Mediterranean. It's a sharknado, and they've got laser beams, right? It's like when you're a coward, the first thing to run away is your imagination. Right? And you just start saying crazy stuff. You start believing the craziest stuff. You start to catastrophize, is what the psychologists call it. Catastrophization. Oh, this is, oh, this is going to happen. No, you're just freaking out. You're panicking. You need, and when, when that begins to happen, you need to start saying the truth, right? And really, people of faith that are dwelling on the goodness of God, God's been faithful to us. He destroyed Egypt, and this is God's idea. And whatever God did in Egypt, when he showed off and he rolled up his sleeves and he really showed off, God's going to do that in the promised land. Your prophetic imagination then begins to... So you have to fight the hyperbole of catastrophization with the hyperbole of faith. No, it flows with milk and honey. Milk and honey, baby. And you begin to prophesy over the purposes of God in your life. Completely different. Why don't you stand with me, church? The first service was really full. And this service, there's, there's like, there's no room, right? It's like standing room only. And nobody wants to come to an 1130. <laughs> you guys, you, you're maxed out. And you, you, ha you need more space. You, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that Matt's probably been talking about this. But I mean, it's, it's time to build. You, you are on the outskirts of the promised land, and it's good. 
What God is bringing you as a congregation is good. There is, but there's giants. There's gonna be obstacles. And my question for you is, are you gonna be people of faith that are saying, no, we are called to build the church. Jesus is building his, what is Jesus doing right now? He's building his church. How about this? If, you know, in times of uncertainty, I don't know about you, but I've been kind of watching the markets and what do I do with my money? Stocks a good thing, bonds, real estate. Like, what, what do you do, right? And so, you know, you're, there's certain people that you watch. Warren Buffett's like a guy that you watch. Elon Musk, good guy to watch. Nancy Pelosi, watch her. <laughs> yeah, whatever Nancy's doing financially, she obviously knows what's happening. So it's like, right? So let's say that Nancy, Elon, and Warren Buffett, right, they all, you know, put 50% of their portfolio into one stock. Dude, I'm, I'm going to move something in there, right? Wouldn't that be the, the wise thing to do? If, they, if they're betting on something, here's the deal. Jesus is all in on the church, and he's a master builder, and he's got diamond hands, okay? And, and what he builds lasts forever. If you are looking for security, build what Jesus is building. Build what Jesus is building. It's a, it's, it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. Jesus is building his church. And we're the people of God. The land flows with milk and honey. So I just want to encourage you. It's time, it's, it's time to begin to go in to the land that, that God's called you to. You guys are just scratching the surface of everything that God's called you to in St. Augustine. It's just the, it's just the beginning. That wise philosopher Karen Carpenter said, you've only just begun, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for your people. Thank you for what you're doing here. And God, we say yes. We say yes. God, come hell or high water, we're going to be faithful witnesses to Jesus, Jesus to you, to your word, and we're gonna be people who take the land. We're gonna be a little crazy like Caleb and we're gonna be faithful like Joshua. God, we know that you can do it. God, we know that if you've called us to it, then you're gonna give it to us. And so Father, we thank you for that. And I thank you, God, that you will supply every need. And God, I thank you that you will supply seed to every sower in Jesus' name. If you can get it through us, you will get it to us in Jesus' name. So Father, I thank you for every heart here. And God, I pray that fear would have no place in Colonial Church, that we would be a church of faith, that, that uh, catastrophization would not have a place in this congregation, that we would be people with a prophetic destiny, with a prophetic imagination, stirring up one another to good works in Jesus' name, believing that the best is yet to come. Amen. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.